This is the Green Student Ministries Middle School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. We are committed to our students being known, knowing Jesus, and becoming kingdom workers. We hope this podcast serves to encourage, challenge, and to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Green Student Ministries. All right, hey, uh, what's up, everybody? What are we doing? We're doing the sky. That's like the classic middle school answer. What's up, the sky? You know what? I used to say when people would be like, "What's up?" I'd be like, "Gas prices." And I was like, I was like 14 and still didn't, I did like didn't know even know what that meant really. I was like, I don't know. That's what my parents told me. The gas prices are up. I don't know what that means, but apparently it's bad. Um, so, so uh, hey, if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, uh, go ahead and open up to the Book of John. The book of John, it is the fourth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in the New Testament, um, and it should be about three quarters-ish of the way, actually even probably more than that, of the way through your Bible. Um, and so as you guys are going there, I, I wanted to give a quick recap kind of of where we've been, right? So um, we've been in our series called Miracles. So if you've missed the last two weeks, this is just kind of a quick uh, review, all right, so um, the very first week, Will was able to um, speak to us, and so he jumped in um, and talked about Jesus' first miracle, which was the wedding at Cana, um, where Jesus turned water into wine, and it was like super wild and crazy and awesome. Um, and then last week, Betsy was in here, and she got to talk to us um, and teach on the parable of, not the parable, sorry, the, the miracle um, of Jesus going and healing um, this very important guy's uh, son who was very sick. So, and those are like the last two stories that we looked at. But one thing that as I've been digging into this and looking at this kind of like chunk of scripture, right, we're looking at all of the miracles that happen in the book of John. There are seven of them, all right? And that actually doesn't count um, Jesus dying and coming back from the dead. I feel like that should be included. Like, I feel like that would be eight, um, but they're like, there's seven. So that's for another, that's another discussion for another time. Um, But and I was like, I feel like that's the most important one. So I feel like, I don't know. And they, like John saves it for last. Wouldn't you lead with the best one? I don't know. So I didn't write one of the Gospels. So it wasn't me. Not my decision. Um, so, so the book of Adam. That's terrifying to think about. I don't like that at all. Um, nobody would want to read that. That would not be, that would not be good. Um, so I, as I was kind of like looking at this, looking back, um, I, I love... Just all these miracles, the way they're put together, the Gospel of John has really kind of like come alive um, as I've been looking at this and reading all these different things. It's been really cool. But did did you guys talk about who that who this dude is on this on this slide? Did you guys talk about it is it's Moses. All right. And so you're like, yo, Adam, why is there a picture of Moses from the Prince of Egypt on here? Also, Prince of Egypt, one of the best animated movies of all time. All right, can I get an amen? Thank you. Yes? Perfect. All right. Also, one of the best soundtracks from any movie ever, all right? Oh, ever, all right? You want to talk about the song, talk about the song Miracles, all right? There's, oh, oh man, it's, a, it's amazing. Um, this, this whole movie, if you have not seen it, it's like, it's perfection, all right? So if you have not seen it, yeah, we recommend it. Gavin recommends it. We all do. So go see it, go watch it, listen and enjoy uh, it's one of the best movies ever. But the reason that Moses is up here on the slide when it's like, oh, aren't you guys, I mean, the book of John talking about Jesus. Um, what happened was in the Old Testament, Moses showed up on the scene while 
what was happening? Israel, the nation of Israel, was in captivity, in slavery to the nation of Egypt, all right? And so they had been there for 400 years, being like, this really stinks, and we need help. And God was like, all right, I got you. And he sends Moses, who is known as the greatest prophet of all time, all right? This is, he's like the goat of prophets, okay? You guys know, there's like the conversation with, like, with everything, the goat, the greatest of all time, all right? Not like an actual goat. That's different. Um, I know we're talking about the Bible, but he was... That's, yeah, anyways, so Moses is seen as the greatest of all time in terms of prophets in the Old Testament. And every other prophet that shows up in the Old Testament, if you look at the Bible, like here's the, here's the New Testament um, over here. And like, this is the Old Testament. So there's like the majority of this. Moses is towards the beginning in Exodus. And then there's all these other prophets, stories of these prophets all throughout the Old Testament. And whenever they show up on the scene, everybody is like, hey, you're like a pretty good prophet, but you're not as good as Moses. Like he's a pretty, he was like the best. All right. It's, if you guys, if you guys follow basketball at all, there is always conversation about who is the greatest of all time. And there's a lot of people who are like, it was Michael Jordan who played basketball in the nineties and was absolutely amazing and potentially is one of the greatest of all time. But all the time, they're always trying to have these discussions about these new and kind of upcoming players about like, who is the best? And are they as good as Michael Jordan? And so it's this endless conversation that will never get resolved because these guys played like 30 years apart. They can't actually play each other. And so you'll never actually know who is the best. Um, and because people use made-up criteria and whatever. But it's just, it makes people watch the ESPN shows. So, and that's, that's why they do it. But there's always somebody who's coming up, maybe a high school player. And it's like, is this the next Michael Jordan? And people are like, Oh man, this guy's gonna be so good. It's gonna be crazy. All right. And then they're always, throughout their whole entire career, are compared back to Michael, who is seen as one of the best, or if not the best player of all time. It happens in sports. It happens with music, right? You have different genres of music, different things happening where it's like, that was the best person to ever play the banjo. And I don't know if this new guy is gonna be as good as that guy. All right. You have people who write stories, who, um, who are, who are philosophers, all these people kind of all throughout time that did something exceptionally well. And then there's always somebody who comes along to do the same thing and are compared back. And it's like, well, they're good, but are they like that good? All right. Like they paint okay, but are they like, are they the best? All right. And Da Vinci. Yeah. Are they Da Vinci good? All right. And the answer is, we don't know. Probably not. Bob Ross. Yes. Best of all time. Potentially. Maybe. I would, I, I would make a strong case for that. Bob Ross, greatest painter of all time? Maybe. All that aside, so shh, listen up, back on track with me here. Um, all throughout the Old Testament, these other prophets show up and they say that they are speaking on behalf of God. That's a kind of a big thing to say, all right? That's like a big deal. And so what happened was they would say, I am speaking on behalf of the Lord. And then they would usually have some type of sign or like miracle or thing that they would do, that God would give to them so that they would like prove to the people that they in fact were speaking for God, right? And everybody was like, ooh, wow, that's very impressive. But did you split the sea in half and walk through it like with a bunch of people? I don't know. That was kind of cool, but it wasn't this good, all right? So all through the Old Testament though, there's these people who are, really it's God's people, who are looking for someone who is like Moses. Moses himself, before he goes away, before he dies, 
He says in Deuteronomy 18, 15, that um, there is going to be another prophet like me. All right, so Moses, even he's seen as the greatest of all time in the Old Testament, he tells the nation of Israel, there is going to be another prophet like me. And so that's why when all these other people show up, they're looking, right? They're like kind of, they're analyzing, they're, they're comparing, and they're like, is this guy as good as Moses? And none of the other people that show up are as good as him, all right? Fast forward a couple hundreds, thousands of years, right? And we get to this moment in time where this man named Jesus shows up, Jesus of Nazareth. He shows up on the scene and he starts to make these claims that he is the one that Moses was telling people about, that there would be someone like Moses who shows up on the scene and Jesus shows up claiming, that's me. Hey, right here. I'm that guy. All right. Even at the beginning of John, John the Baptist, all right, not the same guy who wrote the gospel of John, John the Baptist, he's the one, he's going around and pointing out to people in chapter one. He says a couple of times, he's like, look, look over there. Look, that guy right over there. Look, look at that guy over there. Right? That's the guy. This is the one that we've been waiting for. That's the guy. This is the Messiah. All right. We use the word Messiah, which means just anointed one. Um, another word for Messiah is Christ. All right, I said, I told the high schoolers this, that um, whenever I was growing up, I thought that Jesus Christ was like his first and last name. Like I'm Adam Crawford and it's like Jesus Christ, Adam Crawford, right? Like that makes sense. No, it's, it's actually Christ means anointed one or Messiah, really like king, the one that they've been waiting for. And so it's Jesus, the Messiah or Jesus, the Christ, all right, he is the Christ. That's just another word for this long-awaited one, this one that we've been waiting to show up and to put things back together, this one who is supposed to be like Moses and even greater. So Jesus shows up on the scene and he does two things that we've already looked at. He goes to this wedding. He turns water into wine, his first miracle. And then he's back in the same place a couple chapters later. This nobleman, this basically who acts as kind of this king of this area, shows up ask Jesus to heal his son. Jesus doesn't even go with him. He just says, your son is well. He, he will live. And at that exact moment, some 15, 20 miles away, this man's son is healed. So people are starting to talk about Jesus, all right? Because of the things that people are saying about him, people are pointing at him and they're like, hey, this is the guy. This is the Messiah. This is the one. And now he's starting to prove it. All right, like he's starting to do these different things. He's starting to show people that he is in fact the one that they've been waiting for, all right? And so there's kind of this like excitement building, right? Like, have you ever gotten to this point where like you've been waiting for something? You don't know when it's gonna happen. You've just been like waiting for something and you get like, you're getting, starting to get really excited because you feel like, okay, like it's happening. All right, I know some of you are like that with Christmas. It's a little different because you know when Christmas is coming, but it's like September 26th right now and you have a countdown calendar like and in your room, all right? I know that for a fact there's at least one person and she's sitting right over there and her name's Abby, all right? Because some of you guys love Christmas, but it's like as you start to, right, you start to get closer, things start to change. Like Sam's Club puts out their Christmas trees in like July and you're like, ooh, it's coming. Um, and like then all of a sudden, right, the weather starts to change and you're like, it's happening, it's happening. We're not even to Halloween yet. It's not even October, but you're like, we're almost there, 
And then Christmas music comes on the radio. Mariah Carey, she emerges from her slumber like on uh, like the day after Thanksgiving every year. And you're like, oh, baby, it's coming. And you get so excited. And then, bang, Christmas is here. All right? And it's like, hooray! Right? So, but like, do you, you feel that? That, like, the anticipation, the excitement of just like, oh, it's happened. Like there's these little hints and clues and things that are like pointing you like, it's almost here, right? Jesus is doing this exact same thing because he shows up on the scene. He starts to do some of these miracles. People are talking about him. He's saying things that nobody else has said before. He's making claims about himself. Other people are testifying about him saying, yes, it is true. He is this one that we've been waiting for. And now right after he heals this dude's son, we're in the book of John chapter five, verse one. And so we'll throw it up on the screen. And so let me read this to you. This is immediately after he heals this man's son. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? All right, exactly. What kind of question is that? So picture this. Jesus, after just healing this man's son from like not even close range, right? This is like a far away thing. He shows up, walks into this place where all of these people who have these diseases, who are paralyzed, who have been struggling with these things for probably most of their life, they wait around this pool, all right, that supposedly is supposed to heal them whenever it gets stirred up, right? Like whatever is happening there, there's something that goes on at the pool and they're all there just kind of like laying around hoping and believing that the first one there gets like this special healing, all right? Like if I'm the first one in that pool, I'm gonna be good for the rest of my life. This thing that has been bothering me or this ailment or this disease or whatever it is, like if I get there, I'm gonna be fine. All right, so imagine this, Jesus now, who people have been talking about, he comes into this place where there are all these people who are in need of healing. This dude has been laying there. He has been sick. He has been, he's had this ailment for 38 years. That's like impossible for most of us in this room to comprehend, all right? I don't, I don't think there's anybody in here that's even over 38 years old, all right? Um, oh yeah, right over there. You are Parker? Is that you? Okay, cool. So 38 years old. I'm, that's like eight more years even than I've been alive. For most of you, that's, it's like three to four times your lifetime. Like imagine living your whole life over again three times and then you might be close, all right? Which is absolutely crazy. So this dude has been sick for a long time. Jesus, he shows up, walks in, and he asks this guy, would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? Go to the next one for me. Verse seven. I love this. He says, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So obviously this guy is maybe a little bit in the dark on who Jesus is. It's just like, there's just this guy kind of walking around 
And he's like, don't you want to be better? And it's like, <laughs> what a dumb question. Of course I want to be better. But I can't get over there because the pool bubbles up and I, everybody is faster. I don't have anybody to help me. So I'm just like, I guess this is just it. But I love what Jesus does in this next verse. Jesus tells him in verse 8, he says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. Think about that. You have been dealing with this for 38 years. It's been your whole entire life. You've been sick, this thing, whatever it is, like it ha- it, it's not working, you're paralyzed, you can't move well. Like this has been like the bane of your existence essentially for like your entire life. And this, ha- this problem has been, you've been dealing with this. It has, it has affected you. you. You haven't been able to get a normal job. Your life has not looked normal in any way, shape or form. And you've been struggling with this. And then all of a sudden this man shows up and he's just like, hey, do you wanna be better? And he's like, well, I can't because I can't get to the pool. And he's like, actually, just get up. And he stands up and is healed. Like, that's crazy. That's absolutely miraculous that this happens. And I love the fact that Jesus asks this guy, pay attention to this. He says, would you like to get well? All right. The man responds with like, I can't because I can't get over here. And it's almost like Jesus is like, no, no, no. Like, I don't, you didn't understand my question. I'm just asking you, do you want to be well? And the man immediately goes into all these excuses for why he can't make himself better. He can't get to the pool. He can't do this. And it's like, I can't do this or this or this or this. And he lists out this whole thing of excuses of like, I can't get to the pool. I can't do all these things. And it's just like, (laughs) Jesus doesn't even like really say anything. He's just like, well, why don't you just get up? (laughs) And I'm sure, can you imagine this? You're laying there. You've been like, I think even, even for him to actually try, like, I feel like is a big deal. That if you've been like, you, like, you know your body, you know how it works or how it doesn't work, you, you know how you feel, and then all of a sudden, this man tells you to stand up, like when you, you can't. And this guy, like, he's down there, and I just imagine him even like, pushing himself up like with his arms and realizing that there's more strength there than that's been there for almost 40 years. And then he, he swings his feet around and he moves his legs easier or at least even just for the first time in forever. And he uses his legs, pushes himself up off the ground and he stands like, can you imagine that feeling of just like, uh, what? Like, I, I, I mean, what do, what do you even do? Like, and, and this Jesus is just like, just pick up your mat, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly this man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. Like, he's just like, just put that up. Now, don't need that anymore. And he's just like, okay, all right. Wow. Okay. Thanks, mister. Bye. Like, <laughs> And, and he just like starts walking. All right, here's the crazy thing. Jesus healed this man. The, the wild thing about this passage is that like, there's no like, oh my gosh, thank you so much, Jesus, for making me better. Like, he's just like, okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> and he takes his mat and walks away. Like, so that's an interesting, I don't know if that tells us anything, but it's just like this, he was for 38 years and not even like a thanks. <laughs> he's just like, see you later, Jesus. Um, like, it, it appears that this guy doesn't see, he still doesn't even know who he is, right? Wouldn't you be interested if some dude was like, hey, you, you should be well and get up 
Wouldn't you be like, hey, what's your name? <laughs> Who are you? Right? Like, wouldn't you do that? And so here's, here's the crazy thing that happens next, right? So this miracle has happened. Jesus, again, here is proving to people that are watching that he is, in fact, the one that they've been waiting for. This is another miracle, chalk it up number three, that is proving to these people that are watching him that he is who he says that he is. He is the one that John the Baptist said that he is. And so he is proving to these people that he is in fact the Messiah, that the Old Testament, that Moses himself prophesied about, said was coming. The people, like the one that you've been looking for, it's me, I'm here, here I am. Hi, (laughs) yes, hello, here I am. This dude picks up his mat, starts walking away, and here we go, in the middle of verse 9, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath, all right? This is a big deal because the Sabbath is supposed to be a day of rest, all right, for, for the Jews, all right? The Sabbath is very highly regarded by the religious leaders who we know as who? The Pharisees, Sadducees, it's also a good word. So, but these guys, they have taken what is supposed to be a day of rest. And really the Sabbath is all about pointing us back to God's presence. It points us to rest. It points us to to be with him. Like it's all about stopping what you're doing in order to be with God. This man who was healed, I don't know how much closer you could get to God on the Sabbath than having him actually heal your body to where you could get up and leave. All right. And so This man is healed on the Sabbath. And verse 10, this happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. These guys saw this man who was like lame for 38 years, get up and walk. He's carrying his mat. And they're like, hey, you can't do that. You're not supposed to carry your sleeping mat thing. You shouldn't do that. Like, did you not see what happened? What's wrong with you? Come on. But he replied, the man who healed me, he told me, pick up your mat and walk. He blames Jesus. He's like, Jesus told me to. He said I was okay. I could pick this up. But it's not my fault. So like, he's saving his own skin here. He doesn't even tell them what happened. He's not like, I, was, did, I, was, I couldn't walk. And then he, he made me better. Like, he's just like, it was Jesus. He told me to pick up my mat. He said it was okay. So you, if you're mad, you'd be mad at that guy, right? And so the man who healed me, he told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. And so we'll, we'll stop there at this first section, right? So he ends up telling them, he ends up realizing in the next couple verses that it was, in fact, Jesus who healed him, all right? And, and what does he do? Instead, he doesn't go find Jesus to thank him. He actually finds out that it's Jesus and he goes back to the Pharisees and he's like, hey, the dude that you actually are really upset with, it's that Jesus guy. That I figured out who it was. And he like tattles on him, right? So then the Jewish leaders are upset, all right? In the next verse, we don't have it up there, but in, in um, 16, it says, so the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking Sabbath rules. It's like, okay, well, first of all, what rule did Jesus break? You're not supposed to like, do miracles on the Sabbath? Um, but, the, but Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, 
thereby making himself equal with God. So here is another claim from Jesus saying, I am the son of God. I am on equal footing with the father. I am from him. He is with me. Like he is making these claims and start. And so like they're starting to put these pieces together. Like they're saying, he's saying he's the Messiah. He's saying that he's the one. And like Jesus has already been doing these miracles and people are talking. And so some Pharisees, maybe like Nicodemus, who we saw in John chapter three, if you go back and read that, like he, he's interested. He talks with Jesus, kind of meets with him secretly. But then you have the majority of these Pharisees who are just like, how dare he say he'd be the Messiah? And it's like, have you not been watching like anything that he's been doing? Or like, come on, what's wrong with you? And so they, they totally go after Jesus. They, they like, they're trying to figure out a way to kill him. They're like, he's claiming to be the Messiah. And they're so worried about their little Sabbath, like laws that they have implemented over the top of what Sabbath is actually supposed to be, that then this happens. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he calls them out. And I want you guys to listen to this. This, in my mind, this plays out like, like, a, like a TV show. Just this conversation that Jesus is having. So I don't have the whole thing up there because I, I want you guys to listen to this. All right, I want you to hear this like, put yourself there. Jesus has just healed a man, and these, these people who are confronting him are more worried about the fact that he told him to pick up his mat and that that would be considered work, which is not allowed on the Sabbath. Like, instead of being amazed that the very Messiah, the one that Moses wrote about, is literally standing in front of them. They're more worried about this other thing. All right? Talk about, like, missing it. So Jesus is there with him, and in verse 31, I'm going to read this. This is a bigger chunk, so bear with me here. This is 31 through 45, but I I want you guys to hear this because I think it's crazy awesome. Jesus is talking to them. They're they're questioning him, being like, how how dare you say that you are the son of God, this one that we've been waiting for? This is how Jesus answers. He says, if I, Jesus, were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me. And I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist. And his testimony about me was true. Of course, I have no need of human witnesses. But I say these things so that you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp. And you were excited for a while about his message. But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that he sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face, and you do not have his message in your hearts because you don't believe me. I'm the one he sent to you. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures, they point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me and to receive this life. Your approval means nothing to me, because I know that you don't have God's love within you, for I have come to you in my Father's name, and you've rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them, No wonder you can't believe, for you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, 
Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? So he, I mean, this is like, this is like fireworks. This is absolutely wild. Jesus is like getting after these guys. These, these people, right, these Pharisees, like they know a lot about the Old Testament. They know a lot about Moses. So for him to look at them and be like, you don't even know what Moses wrote. <laughs> like for them, I could just feel the like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I know everything there is about know about Moses, right? And I read all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. But he's like, you have read it and you have missed the point because everything that Moses did and wrote about and pointed to was so that you, whenever you saw me, would recognize who I am. You read it, but you didn't see it, and you missed it. I am the one that you have been waiting for, and yet all you're worried about is if I told this dude to pick up his sleeping mat, not the fact that he was sick for 38 years, and I told him to get up, and he's fine. <laughs> like, it is amazing to me how the Pharisees missed all of these things that Jesus did. But I am also not amazed because I know that many of us can have the same hard-hearted reaction to Jesus. Because now here, all of us sitting in this room, we were not there to see. However, we have God's word, which testifies and tells us, John wrote this gospel so that we could sit in this room today and realize who Jesus is. And the hope is that the response to Jesus and his miracles would that we would believe in him, that we would believe that Jesus is who he says that he is, that he is the one that you've been waiting for. And so then the question again this morning is, do you believe in Jesus? All right? And I'm asking you that to think about because again, if your answer is yes, I believe in Jesus, I would ask you, then what does that mean? Because the interesting thing is here, right, we've seen in the first two miracles, the response from the disciples, the response from the man whose son was healed is that they believed in Jesus. That's what scripture tells us. But we know, right, that Jesus has not died and come back to life yet. And so whenever we say, oh, I believe in Jesus, a lot of our response is like, well, I believe that he lived, that he died, that he rose again for my sins, and now I can live with him forever. All right, not a wrong answer. However, here, whenever it's like, do you believe in Jesus? They're believing in him, but that hasn't happened yet. So what are they believing in? They're believing that Jesus is the Messiah. And like, and that is what Jesus is talking about that gives them eternal life. Back earlier in chapter five, verse 24, he says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they've already passed from death into life. Like if you just believe in the father, if you believe that Jesus is the one who has been sent by the father, that's like, that's all he's asking here. 
And the whole book of John, all of these miracles that we're going to continue to look at and see point us to this one question that in the end of everything, that you would sit here and you would say, I believe that Jesus is who he claims to be, which is the savior of the world, the Messiah, the one that has been long waited for, the one that Moses talked about, that the prophets pointed to, that the entirety of Old Testament scripture points forward to. And you have to be able to answer that question in your heart because if the answer is yes, I do believe that Jesus is who he says that he is, then man, your life should look different. Your life should look different because then you should look at the way that Jesus teaches and lives and the things that he says and and they should mean everything to us. They should change how we act, what we say, what we do, our passions, our desires. Like it should transform who we are. If your answer to that question is yes, then I don't think that saying, yes, I believe in Jesus only should just result in you having great attendance on a Sunday morning and like doing some good stuff, right? Does that make sense? Like if you believe this, then we fundamentally believe and say, I agree that Jesus was a man who lived 2,000 years ago. He died after living a perfect life. They put him in the ground. And then three days later, he came out of the ground, out of the grave, literally walked out of there. Like that doesn't happen. That's not happening at your local cemetery. Like this is not a normal occurrence, all right? I know we're close to Halloween, but it's not, all right? <laughs> So listen, listen, listen. Like that has to change everything about you. It should. And so the question is just, do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Or are you in a place this morning where you're more concerned with just other things that are going on in your life? You're more concerned about even maybe, maybe not concerned, but maybe you're, you're holding back or you're, you're in a place where you're saying, well, God, you're not doing the things that I want you to do. And you're not maybe like showing up in the very specific ways that I would like you to show up. And so because of that, you like hold that against God. And you're like, well, I don't know. Maybe I just don't really like believe in you because you're not doing like the things that I want you to do. And I would say that's, that's probably where the Pharisees were at. And, and my heart is that you guys would not miss Jesus, is that you would see him here, even in the, in the book of John, in these pages, and see that Jesus is the one that you need. And that's my, that's my ask, my question for you this week. That's all that my heart is, is for, that you guys would hear who Jesus is, that you would believe in him, and that you would be changed. You would be different because of who Jesus is. That's it. Jesus changed my life. He's changed many people's lives. He can change your life. And man, the things that Jesus offers as the, as the Messiah, as the Christ, are things like hope and joy and peace. These good things that are, are foundational to a life that is good. Um, he offers those things. And so I would ask you guys just to ask yourself that question. So let me pray for us, even as you guys think about that.
Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to come and be with us. God, thank you that the entirety of Scripture points to Jesus. And thank you that we can hear these stories and, and see these testimonies of who he is and what he's done. And I pray that our response would be belief. Lord, help, help us even when we, we struggle to believe. Help us help our unbelief. God, we, we want to trust you. And I pray that if anybody in here this morning is struggling with that or has questions or things that maybe just feels like it, it's just standing in the way even of, of really trusting you and believing in you, God, I pray that you would, um, pray that you would help answer those questions. I pray that you would knock down those barriers um, in our hearts that keep us from really believing in you and being changed by you. So, God, we love you and we give you this morning and everything um, that we have. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Green Student Ministries Middle School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact us at GSM chapel.life or follow us on Instagram at Green Student Ministries. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.